I'm Emma G. Rose, author of Contemporary Fantasy and Mythological Weirdness. I'm Shelley Shearer, author of Urban Fantasies and Cozy Mysteries. Welcome to Indie Book Talk. Join us as we explore the expanding universe of indie books. Today on Indie Book Talk, we're talking about covers. Yes, you should judge a book by its cover, and authors, you better believe your readers are going to. I'd have to say that that's a strong one for me lately, because I think I'd mentioned recently that I'd really gotten into a book that I loved, and I found out later it was the sixth book in the series. Yes. And I actually had the first book in the series in my cart for months and months and months, and I never got inspired enough to buy it because of the cover. Wow. So it was a great book. You loved the book. I did. And then I finally went back and got the first one. I really enjoyed the writing in that one as well. But it wasn't until that sixth or seventh book that the the cover really grabbed me. I'm like, ooh, got to read it. Um, So the cover really makes a big difference. You can inspire someone or turn them away. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that's a – you you hear that. You know, if you you hang out on author forums or – do the Google searches and say, how can I make my book sell? It, the first thing they tell you is cover. And we've grown up with that. Oh, don't judge a book by its cover. But like, that's the point, right? That's why books have covers so that you can at a glance say, hey, this is something I want to read. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't say people are getting less concerned about it, but I know, especially with a lot of the eBooks now and Kindle and everything, people are making their own covers that really maybe should not be because they really turn me off when I see them. And I'm like, it could be a fantastic book, but because they haven't put that much effort into the cover, it's hard for me to put that much faith that the book is going to be good. Yes. And we as, as independent authors, I mean, I, I want independent authors to be taken seriously and seen as the artists that they are. And if you're packaging your work in a way that isn't professional looking, then that's not really happening, is it? You're, I mean, you're not, you're not putting out your most professional look, just like you wouldn't show up to a job interview in jeans with holes in them and a dirty t-shirt, right? You, you get dressed up. So your cover should be dressed up a little bit too. Right. And I mean, not everyone's a graphic artist. You may be a great writer. That doesn't mean you can put together a great cover. There are people out there that can do that for very reasonable costs. So you could probably still get something. There's a lot of pre-made covers that are being offered now that um, are really well made. You might be able to find something that works for you. But yeah, think about it before you put that book out there. And I think an important point too is your cover can be beautiful and, and amazing and unique and still be wrong for your genre and not attract your ideal reader. Oh, definitely. Like for urban fantasies, um, it's usually a kind of a badass woman on the cover. Uh, but if you put it like a Victorian house, that's not going to get your urban fantasy readers. That's going to get your cozy mystery readers. Yes. And that is, that's one of those things that I think we all know, you know, you look at a book cover and you know, oh, that's fantasy. And I can't necessarily give you the play by play of what exactly in this cover makes it a fantasy cover, right? I mean, I might if I thought hard, but when you're in a bookstore or looking along online, you see a cover and you immediately know fantasy, mystery, thriller. And if it's wrong, if the cover doesn't match the content, then either you won't get sales or you'll get disappointed buyers. Right, because they're going into it thinking, oh, I'm going to get this great romantic thing and it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> right. And I've, I mean, I've definitely bought books on the cover alone and not even reading <laughs> the blurb. <laughs> and so I'd be doubly disappointed because I didn't even have the warning that it wasn't the book I was expecting. 
Oh yeah, and the, the blurb on the back is just as important as the cover. I wanna I wanna talk about the absolute must-have elements on your cover, but before I do that, I'll tell you the story of my first novel, Nothing's Ever Lost. Not the plot, but like the story of the cover. <laughs> How it became what it is. The story of the cover is that once upon a time, a first-time author wrote a book that she was very proud of, and she wanted a cover that was wonderful and striking and amazing. And so she hired her friend, who's an artist, to make a truly unique book cover. And yay and verily, that artist did that thing, and it was wonderful. Cool. And I still love that cover. I, I adore it to the core of my soul, and I will always have copies of the book with that book cover. It's but your here's first. the thing. <laughs> what? It's your first. Yeah, it's your first. It's you know, it's it's mine, and I love it. And I've had I had good feedback. You know, people I know who had who saw it in a bookstore were like, "Oh, that really stands out." But here's the problem: if you don't know me and you're not looking for my book, you look at that cover and you have no idea what the book's about. So, what does the cover look like? The cover, it kind of looks like a maze. Um, like if you if you just drew out a maze on your on your piece of paper in front of you, um, and it's it's got layers of of sort of different colors, and um, it, it's it's lovely and very much the the style of the artist that I hired to do it, and she does beautiful work, and I still love it, but it's not a fantasy cover. And it's certainly not a contemporary fantasy cover. So I have made the very, very difficult decision to retire that cover and re-release the book in a slightly different trim size, so a slightly smaller book um, with a whole new cover. And that was so hard because I loved that <laughs> cover. But it's it's not doing me any favors in marketing. And the right. thing with this business is it is a business, right? And if you're going to, if you want to sell books and you want to sell books and you don't just want to write for yourself, which is totally fine if that's what you're doing. But if you want to sell books, then you have to kind of take off that artist's smock Mm -hmm. and, you know, that, that put down the quill pen and go over there and, and use your business mind to look at what do I really need on this cover? And how, how is this going to communicate with my ideal customer? So the new cover, yeah, you're selling your idea and you have to put it in a good package so that people look at it and say, oh, this is awesome. I want this thing. So what does your new cover look like? Oh, the new cover is so perfectly contemporary fantasy. Um, It's got the two characters silhouetted, um, but kind of like overlapping each other standing back to back Mm -hmm. and then you can see the cityscape in the background with the tall tower which is very relevant to the story and there's like this this texture underneath that at first glance seems like water but if you really look you realize it's sand dunes and again perfect for the story so it conveys some pieces of what the story is but also there's no way you can look at it and not see a YA fantasy cover I was gonna say it screams fantasy to me it does. It does. And it, and what's funny about that is that the, the first, I went with a, a service that I've never used before, but they were doing a promotion on the new year. So okay. I bought it and then used yeah. it for this. <laughs> and this, the first one I got, my, my primary objection to it was it looks like a sci-fi thriller. Oh, what was different that was on that one? That one had like it, it still had sand in the foreground, but it was more beachy sand, like very clearly textured beachy sand. And then in the background, there was a cityscape, but in between there was like this digital grid thing. Mm. 
Um, which I think works really well if you have some sort of like, you know, internet tech thriller. Right. Mm-hmm. Not so much for my contemporary fantasy YA novel. So even the experts sometimes don't get it 100% on the first try. But I did look at that first that first design and say, oh, no, that's that's the wrong genre. And I could kind of felt it immediately when looking at it. And then this one, the second one that came out, which is the one I'm using, and I will link to it uh, when it's when it's released, which it should be by the time this episode plays, um, this new cover is just so on point for when you hired the person to do the cover. Cause I also hired one to do my uh, cozy mystery. How much information did you need to give them to have them capture that feeling for you? I gave them a lot of information. They had a really good questionnaire um, and it included things like what's your genre. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also asked for comp books. So like, what oh, other yes. books on Amazon, like go to Amazon and pick out a couple of books that, that you like and that seem seem to be the same sort of audience that you might have. Um, and then they had you include the blurb and they asked for descriptions of your characters, of like your main characters. Mm-hmm. And then any feedback you have about um, what you might, like what, what you think if you had a vision or, you know, an idea, what was yours. And so I actually, there's a, there's a scene in my book where the character sort of is the the main character, Anna walks into this new world, right? She basically walks through a door and finds herself in a new world. Mm -hmm. And so I took those first couple of paragraphs of her describing this new world and pasted it right into the form and said, this is what the world looks like. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I was filling out my questionnaire because I, I had trouble explaining it because I was trying to like condense everything I wanted to feel on the cover in a little bit of thing. And it, it took a little bit of time because obviously they're not going to read your whole book. They need you to right. tell them what you want it to convey. Uh, so that, that was a little challenging, I felt. But um, I'm ready for the next one now. I can do it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, once you do it once, you're a little more prepared for kind of what they need. And I think I like the idea of giving them an excerpt from the book, you know, even just a little short piece so they can kind of get the tone and the feel of it, mm-hmm. uh, which I feel like that second design did really well. It feels right. Like you you look at it and, know, and, you know, obviously I know the whole story, right? So I can feel that that book cover sort of jives. It's in the same – it's on the same frequency, you know? Right. Um, I'm using words to describe something that does not really have <laughs> words. So forgive that sort of fluffy explanation. It's right. It's, this is the right one. Yeah. It's, it just works. And you're like, yes. Yeah. So the new cover is coming out, uh, you know, and I'm re- releasing it as a second edition because it's a new trim size. It's a new cover. And I actually did, um, there's a small editorial change inside the book where I changed the name of a character because I was concerned about copyright. So one of the characters in that book, well, something in that book comes back in a later book. And wow. so if I was going to keep using it, I, I thought rather than using a copyrighted character, I would alter it to be, you know, something more unique. And so I did make changes to the structure of the inside of the book. So I'm going to release the second edition with the the new covers that will be the same size as my other books. So they all like match, match. Thinking about your covers is important, even if you've released them like you have before, because um, one of the people we've spoken to recently just re-released her entire trilogy with new covers and her sales skyrocketed yes. because they sold more 
to the audience than her previous covers. It, it can make a huge difference to your yes, marketing. Yes, that was Stephanie Miro. And, you know, I told her I loved her original covers. I did. I thought they were beautiful. And mm-hmm. I, in some ways, prefer them, but I'm not her ideal audience either. I'm, you know, a little bit older than her ideal audience. I don't often read the specific kind of book that she's writing. So, you know, I'm not necessarily the person she needs to impress. And she got this cover that absolutely hits all the points for the paranormal urban fantasy genre that she's writing in. Yeah, you've got to know your audience and what books are selling because that's what people look for. They're like, okay, I understand this cover. I understand what this person's going to give me with this book. This is what I want to read. And if you're, you know, if you're really lost on this, because I realize that if you are a word person, you may not be a visual person, right? Uh, unlike she- Shelly, not all of us do photography and writing. So um, for those who are who struggle with this, you know, pull out some of your favorite books and see what do these covers look like? You know, if you have five fantasy covers in front of you, what about them screams fantasy to you? And you do have to be cautious, though, because you're, you as an independent new author cannot get away with the kinds of things that like Neil Gaiman, J.K. Rowling, big, big names necessarily can, because some of them can do these really abstract – I don't know if you've seen uh, the re-releases of all of Neil Gaiman's entire – all of his books. Um, no. he, he re-released them with these beautiful artist watercolor covers that are super abstract and have, mm-hmm. you know, are, have, I'm sure significance, but like if you've never read any of his books and you saw that cover, you would have no idea. Like, is this, right. Because, buying right. Because he's so iconic. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He can put anything he wants on that cover and people will buy it. And so you have to be careful that you're not using those sorts of things as com- comparisons. Same thing with like classics. Classics get re-released periodically because they do new artsy cover designs. You're not necessarily wanting to compare your books to those because what they can do with Pride and Prejudice is not necessarily what you can do with your contemporary romance. Right. People are skimming through things very quickly and generally online. They've got to be able to see it and immediately know that you're their mm-hmm. people. And you have to think about what it looks like really small too. Because if you f- picture like I'm on um, bookshop.org and I'm looking through a bunch of like little thumbnails, you know, those little teeny tiny pictures of a book, you have to make sure that your book um, is is visible to someone, you know, that it's not just like a blur of color or words that are too small that you can't read them when they're in that kind of smaller format on my phone. Or you have a terrible font. Oh, you have a terrible Yeah, your font should be readable. Fonts are important, people. Fonts are so <laughs> important. This is an ongoing discussion amongst, um, I, you know, I'm a content writer in my real life, I guess, and or my other life. And um, there's ongoing discussions about, like, what happens when they take your writing and then they put it in this weird font on the website that, like, you can't even read. So, yeah, we, we argue about that a lot. <laughs> Well, like I said, there are people that sell pre-made covers that, that look very well made. Um, just make sure it still matches your book. Because, you know, even though you love the cover, if it doesn't match what you're trying to sell in the written part, that's that's a no-go as well. Yeah, people are going to be mad if your book <laughs> is about a blonde, blue-eyed 15-year-old and the woman on the cover is an African-American 24-year-old. Like... <laughs> Because it's a bait and switch, right? Like people are expecting right. that the the cover is representative of who's inside. And if you 
if you bait and switch them like that, they're not going to be thrilled. Oh, there's tons of times I've gone to a bookstore and picked up a book and the cover matches no one in that book. It's like they just went to their, you know, book cover department and said, we just need a random cover, throw it on top. It made me so mad. Because it, it's like, you know, it wasn't an indie published or anything. It was a regularly standard published and they put no effort into it. I was very surprised. I feel like that happened a lot more in the 90s. Like when I look at the old, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm saying like I have a lot of like 80s and 90s sci-fi, and yes, they really just went with whatever. Yeah. Was- so I think you know we've the the tastes have matured in some ways, and people are making decisions quickly about um, what they're going to spend money on and and what they're going to spend time on. Because ultimately, when you sell a book to somebody, you are asking them to devote hours of their life to this thing that you've made. So you've got to make it look good. So before we end here, um, I want to talk about like the basic elements of what absolutely needs to be on your cover. So I have my book. The title. The title. The the title needs to be there. It should be large enough to be read at a distance, right? Remember if it's going to be a teeny tiny thumbnail or something, like it should still be visible. So your title, Mm -hmm. your author name should be on there somewhere. Um, Both of these should be on the front of the book with some lovely art that ideally draws the eye toward the center of the book. So that's a that's a problem that you get a lot of times when you have somebody who's a great artist but isn't necessarily a book designer. They may balance the composition differently so you don't get that like draw to the center. And that, for some Ooh. reason, is really important in, in book sales. And I see it myself because I'm also drawn to those kinds of books. So you just like, you can't look away from them. It's like they suck you in. Now I'm going to have to look at some covers. Right? Yeah. I hope everybody will go look at covers when we're done here. So then that's the front. That's pretty much all you need on the front, right? If you want to add a, this book was great, my mom said, you know, you can do that. <laughs> uh, but don't clutter the cover too much with that sort of thing. People people aren't making decisions on that, frankly. Okay, and then you have the spine. And on the spine, you absolutely, absolutely need your title and author name. Absolutely. Do not leave that blank because that will mark you instantly as self-published. And Mm. many bookstores, because of the way they display books, right? Not everybody can be displayed face out, unfortunately. There's just not room. So if you're in a bookstore and you see a blank spine, you're probably not going to pick up that book. So make sure that your title and name are on there. And if you have an imprint, like I have my little uh, exclamation point in a in a circle, that's also mm-hmm. on my spine. Okay. And then the back of the book. And this is where things can get crazy, right? There, You can put all kinds of things on the back of the book. But pretty much what I've heard from readers is, for the love of God, give me a blurb, not a so-and-so says this book's amazing who I've never heard of. Yes. And by blurb, that just means a leading, intriguing portion of the book. Don't tell me everything that happens. Right. It's not a summary. It's, uh, I started to tell this story. And so now you absolutely have to pick it up because you have to know how it ends. Uh, and I do see a lot of problems with people. People say, oh, well, my, my blurb's really long. If your blurb's really long, it's probably because you're trying to tell the whole story on the back of the book. Right. I'm only going to read a couple sentences anyway. If I haven't been grabbed at that point, I'm not going to read two paragraphs. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, do I read the back of a book? Not usually. I read like the first two <laughs> lines and then I flip open the book to see how the writing is. And then I decide. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So you need your blurb. If you do have great reviews or something and you want to spend some space on that, that's cool. Go ahead. Add that. Not required. 
Lots of us don't have those and that's okay. The, the things that you do absolutely need to have is you absolutely have to have a um, barcode with your ISBN, especially if you are publishing anywhere but Amazon. If you're publishing on Amazon and you're using their system, they have a ASN, which is different. But if you're publishing wide and you're publishing anywhere but Amazon, then you need to have your ISBN with the barcode. You can put your price in the barcode, but you don't have to. Some people are like really like to do that. Some people are against it. Um, it doesn't matter either way because a bookseller will sell it however they want to and add it to their system however they want to. But they like to have the barcode so that they, if they do have a scanning system, they can actually scan your book and not have to physically right. type in everything. And if you're going, oh my gosh, what's a barcode? How do I have a barcode? Almost every service that does book cover layouts including Ingram, like they, they, you can download from Ingram Spark, you can download the, the little template thing that you put your cover on and it has your barcode. You just give them the ISBN and they make you a barcode. So don't even worry about that. They all know how to do that thing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's so basic that like, it's so essential. I don't want to say basic, like unimportant, but basic, like essential that everyone who is a professional in this, in the design side knows how to do it. So if you talk to somebody and they don't know how to do it, that's probably a good indication you may not want to go with them. <laughs> the other thing that's a great idea to have on your book is the genre. Because if you are a bookseller, again, you know, physical bookstore especially, if you are a bookseller and you have this book and you're trying to put it on the shelf, you don't want to guess wrong, right? You might look at it and say, oh, well, this looks like this could be YA fantasy and it's adult fantasy. Well, that's a problem. So you can actually put it above your barcode or below your barcode. And it gives people a chance to like clear it down. Like, you know, if I'm looking at a row of books and I only see spines and I'm in the mood for a paranormal romance or something and I see that on there, I'm like, I'm going to grab that instead of just a random fantasy one. Right, right. So if you you can have enough information to help the reader make their decisions. And then I also have on the backs of all of my books, I have my imprint again, because I want people to know that this is one of my books, right? So they're all imperative press books. So I have that imprint on here. And that's really it. I mean, that's what you need. You can add a price if you want to add a price. Um, again, some booksellers are pro having prices. Some don't care. Um, if you do put a price, make sure you put the like suggested manufacturer price that you put into Bowker when you bought your ISBN because you always want the bookseller to be able to discount the book, but you don't want them trying to sell the book for more right. than you have written on the cover because that just makes them look bad. <laughs> so, you know, don't do that to them. Don't so put it, you know, if you if you put in Bowker that the the lowest price it's allowed to be sold for is $14.99, then put that on the back of the book or the, the highest price the lot to be sold for is $14.99, put that on the back of the book, let the bookseller make their determination. They can always do sales, they can do whatever, but don't make them mark it up so that <laughs> they look bad. Then they won't want to carry you. Right, then they don't want to carry you, and that's sad, because we want to be in indie bookstores, because indie bookstores are amazing. Yay. Yay. Okay, so that was the super fast crash course into how to have a book cover that sells. Yeah. Quality is the way to go. Quality, pay the extra. It's worth it. You will make your money back in sales. I mean, uh, no guarantees. Our legal team advises me to tell you that I cannot guarantee sales on any book, regardless of the amazingness of the cover design. And we bear no liability for your book sales. Thank you. And thanks for listening. <laughs>